In this episode of So Dramatic, my guest is fitness instructor Kathy Conjar. Kathy and I discuss Zelda Fitzgerald, why we are on Team Zelda, that the role of a muse is not all it's cracked up to be, and if the barefoot Contessa's husband is really all that. So, Kathy Conjure. Yes. So, premise of the show, which I was just talking with you about, is I invite people to come to my basement who won't be afraid to come down here, drink wine with me, and we hang out. And I choose a topic to talk with you about a person, an artist, creative person, who I think you would find interesting. Okay. And so, you don't have to have anything prepared. You just come and just try to, you know, just enjoy it and be here and have a great conversation. So, Kath, did you... Think about who I might talk with you about. Did you I'll even consider it? Honest, I did not. I was so kind of trying to think of witty, kind of interesting things to say. And then you kind of gave me the okay to just let it happen. Yes. And just, you're going to lead, I'm going to follow. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really kind okay. of how I came in. Just Good. open to just wherever this goes. Yeah. So I'm trying yeah. not to... Uh, think, overthink yes, it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And exactly. I think, too, that's a lot like someone was like... Um, what are you going to ask me? And what I'm like, I'm not, it's not like, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable. If anything, I hope that by the end, you're like, oh, that's so cool. I want to learn more about that. Or I want to, or that, you know, I want to reread this or do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind I'm of usually very curious, but I don't know yes. why for this, I'm not. You're nervous. Are you nervous? I'm because you're a nervous. teacher, you yeah, get up. No, no, and, I mean, no. you're a fitness I, instructor, so you get up in front of people and. Yeah, no, I'm afraid I'm going to get stumped. I feel like I'm on a okay. game show. <laughs> That's what I'm. I'm gonna like pull a Cindy Brady, and the you, red yeah, light's gonna go on, and I'm math gonna be problems. deer in the headlights. So, Kath, let me just tell you. So, a train okay. leaves the station. <laughs> Forget it. I'm out. Give me that blue book, and I will write a paper all day long. What was that? There was that one cartoon that was like math phobes, like worst nightmare, and like you get to heaven, and like Saint Peter's there, and he's like, "Oh, welcome to heaven. I just have one question. Uh, a train leaves the oh, station. Going. Dude, so, I'm out of there. Yes. No, I Mm-mm. can't. I don't get it. Mm-mm. I don't. No way. Whatever. Okay. So, Kathy, I yes. have chosen to talk with you about Zelda Fitzgerald, <gasps> F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife. Okay. Okay. I'm fascinated by her. Are you? Yes. Yes. Because I saw this movie with Woody Allen. I know maybe that's not so appropriate, the, yes. but this was before all the scandals. And um, they was traveled. Was Midnight in Paris? Was yeah, that where the they travel yes. back in time. And I always feel like she was misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, no, I'm very curious. I I almost read like a biography on her okay. to be perfectly honest. Yeah. But to be truthful, I don't know much about okay. her besides her mental illness uh-huh. and their kind of extravagant lifestyle. Right. right. And I just picture the Roaring Twenties. Yes. I don't even know if that was yes. the time period. Absolutely. Uh, flappers, mm-hmm. her just inebriated. Like it just. Yeah. She seemed like a hot mess. Yeah, and I too have that. I have that fascination with like that lost generation, right? Hemingway, Picasso. All of them hanging out in these Parisian cafes and just the the drinking parties and the costume changes. And the, that, to me, has been – I'm really fascinated by that. And that's that, – that midnight in Paris, that guy felt the same way, right? He's like, I want to go back and I want to go to this time period and, and rub elbows with these people and hang out with them. And, and I always feel like she got a raw deal, mm-hmm. you know, because there were so many men and it was still yes. like the men's – it was a man's oh world. Gosh, yeah. And so I just feel like – 
you know, that just that label of like crazy woman. I'm sure she was just as eccentric as they were, but because she was a woman that yeah. she just kind of had that. We are going to go down that rabbit okay. hole, sister, because <laughs> let me tell you, I was so angry researching this that I was like, it was everything to not call you and be like, can you believe Anyway. I know. And, and and just like in history, though, I think a lot of women are misunderstood. So and it's men telling the stories. So, yes, yes. Well, I, I go back to my one of my favorite books is um, The Founding Mothers, all about the wives of the founding fathers. OK, so is that by Cokie uh, Roberts? Yes, Cokie Roberts. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say. Such a great, such a great book because you don't get their stories. OK, so here's my sources quickly because okay. I'm an English teacher and I have sure. to cite them. Absolutely. But like PBS, Washington Post, L.A. Times. And then this book, this it's called Z, a novel of Zelda Fitzgerald. So it's basically. Um, when was that written? Because I feel like that was the one that. Sorry, I don't mean to stump you. No, it's. Uh, um, because that was, I think, the book that I was going to read, actually. Here, I have it right here. It was written a certain time. At this one time. Oh, oh 2013. Yes. See, okay. Okay. 2013. Okay. All right. So, again, I had this fascination with the, this lost generation. And I always feel like I like, I was more interested in them than their, their writing. I agree. Do you? I agree because I feel like so much, especially Hemingway, I yes. feel like so much about, I don't know, I know it. I, it just never grabbed me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of his work, but of I, his writing. But I liked his kind of um, personality and just his quirks. Yes, and kind of. It was very strange. The for tortured those times. artist. Yes. And yes. did you ever read um, the Parisian Wife? It's about like his I first marriage every to wife story. Yes. There was so it's about his first marriage to Hadley, his first wife, and their relationship. And that's such a great book. Okay. But again, I enjoyed that way more than reading. You know, the old man in the sea. Mm. I don't know that I ever <laughs> got there. Fi- it's about a fish. Oof. Yeah, not my favorite. So what? Ha- the reason why this came about okay. was, so we were selling my mom's house a couple years ago. I was going through her bookshelves, and this book was on the bookshelf. This Z, you know, You're and, kidding. No. And so she Did really liked- Did someone give it to her? She liked F. Scott Fitzgerald. Okay. She did. She liked those books, and she okay. would ha- she had a, a few of them on her bookshelves. And so I grabbed that, and this has been sitting on my nightstand since then. Okay. And I, because I was trying to think about who could I talk with you about, because you read like crazy. I you read do. everything. But here's the thing. This is funny, and I don't know that I should mention this. I read voraciously. Mm-hmm. Is that like a good SAT word? And I forget the names of authors right. and book titles. Mm-hmm. So I wish that I had written down, which is not my style. Right. And it sounds kind of creepy, but I wish I'd have written down every single one of the books that I had ever written I, on authors. No, you know what? I there's an app that you can get on your phone that as you read, you can just put the title in, and so it keeps track of all the books you read. We just celebrated my, I call it the Smart Girl Book Club. Mm-hmm. No offense to my other book clubs, <laughs> but uh, we the just finished ones. our hundredth book. Oh my gosh! It was a hundred or a thousand. Well, that there's a big difference. Okay, now I got to think about it. <laughs> That's Do and bop. Figure out the math. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So do you meet once a month? Well, how often do you meet? Let's like figure this out. Every six weeks. Every six weeks. So that's how many times a year? Eight times a year? Yeah. It's gotta be a hundred. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you you're not that old. No, thank God. Well, I mean you're close. What are we gonna yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I'm looking at my nightstand and look over, I see this book, I'm like, okay, I have to talk to Kathy about Zelda. That's it. That's our topic. You know, that's when it struck me. Because I wanted to read this book too and I wanted to find out more about her. Two crazy broads. (laughs) Our our kindred spirit here. We can relate. We can both relate. As I'm reading this, the author says something really interesting where she says 
you're either on Team Zelda or you're Team Scott. Really? Yes. So you either think, for every biographer or scholar who believes Zelda derailed Scott's life, there's one who believes Scott ruined Zelda's. Oh, yeah. I um I feel like they were probably both, like, uh, what is it, codependent? What is mm-hmm. that word? Yeah. I, I don't know the t- proper terminology, but... um. Yeah, no, I would never think that she brought him down. I think it was like a mutual, mm. like Sid and Nancy, mm-hmm. uh, Kurt Cobain and his uh-huh. wife, what was her name? Courtney, Courtney Love. Love. Yeah, yeah, like that kind uh-huh. of dynamic, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And I, I, after my research, I don't know if I believe that as much as I used to. Okay, okay. Yeah, so see what you think when we get through And it. these are people that I don't know anything about the relationships. Right. I just have, like, the, what, what stories yes, that have been presented. Yes, kind of the surface right? and sort of this, yeah. But, so yeah, no, why definitely, I wanna... I'm definitely, a, like, just without knowing anything, I've always thought she was very misunderstood. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. And there's also, there was a Netflix series on that I did not see, but it's called, I think it was called Z. Okay. And, yeah, um, I didn't see that either. It didn't get renewed. Okay. So I, did, I imagine it wasn't very good. So I didn't really want to waste time watching it. Um, but I so bet it would be other beautiful. bad stuff to watch. <laughs> I have too many true crime <laughs> and 2020s and oh boy. <laughs> datelines I have to watch. I'm just curious. Like, if she was wealthy, correct? Sort of. Okay. Not crazy wealthy, but like, pretty Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, I'm going to tell her your whole story. Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. I'll give it to you. All right. Just relax. <laughs> I'm like really stressed about it. You know what? Just take the script. <laughs> Forget it. It's the shortest episode ever. She knows I'm impatient. (laughs) So I'd mentioned before about thinking of them, the jazz age, their romance, this outrageous early success. So she was like 18 when they got married. He was, he's four years older. So think about how young they are. That was like his, Ron's first novel. So very young, this kind of, the flappers, this reckless spending. I always imagine like the great Gatsby stuff, right? The going to New York, eating and drinking in hotel rooms and partying and this, the dresses and all that. Um, so in spite of leading short nomadic lives, they defi- defined an era and left an abundance of artistic achievements. The Fitzgeralds enjoyed fame and fortune, and his novels reflected their lifestyle, describing in semi-autobiographical fiction the privileges, wealthy and aspiring socialites. So in the end, she's far more complicated and deeply more interesting than the champagne guzzling, fountain jumping, bad girl the public thought they knew. She's born in 1900, Montgomery, Alabama. Wow. Okay. And entered a world just starting to consider the possibility that women might have the right to be independent citizens, capable of making their own decisions. Wow. It just, that's so crazy to me. Like, I can't even imagine. Although, segue, um... I don't know if you caught this. One of the major corporations, I'm struggling to think of their name, was giving women uh, kind of helpful hints about how to behave in a, in a male workplace. Like, seriously. I printed it out. I was so enraged, and I want my daughters to read it. Yes. Friends to read it. My smart book club, I want you yes. to read it. Because we'll get pissed and... <laughs> Storm, it was, storm the castle storm. torches. I was like, are you kidding me? Well, you right feel now. like, and when people say, you know, we've come so far and, and that those aren't issues anymore, it's like, no, it, it, it these are right. problems. And I think, too, there's, it's kind of, you're betwixt in between because you want to be positive mm-hmm. and you want to be like a change maker. Right. And you don't want to, you know, just be such a gloom and doomer. And then something like that just kicks you in the gut. Yeah. Like, you're like, wow. And it's, and you're like, is this what corporate America really thinks about women in the workplace? Like we're still trying to take something away from that we still don't belong there. Yeah. That we still we don't have an equal equal part in this. That right. you have to tell us how to behave. 
Yeah. Oh, Lord, help me. Yeah. Well, there's going to be a lot that's going to hit your buttons here with this topic. Okay. So just be prepared. All right. So she was definitely, she's the youngest of six. Her parents really kind of raised her as a free spirit. She was really imaginative. She was really kind of a handful. So they kind of let her a little bit to her own devices. But she was, it wasn't like they, she was completely wild. You would call them the high energy. Yes, right? probably. Yeah. Spirit. Yeah. And a strong, strong-willed. Yes. Which th- we know that that's not a bad thing no, for a woman to be not. today. For anybody. So her father was a representative in the Alabama state legislature. He was a state senator. He was a judge. Um, he was a justice of the Supreme Court of Alabama. So they did have status. So they weren't crazy wealthy, right. but they did right. have status. They had like political power. Yeah. Her great uncle and grandfather were both in the United States Senate. So she had some political connections. Wow. Right. There is a history of depression and mental illness in her family. Her father had a mental breakdown at one point, and both her brother and her maternal grandmother committed suicide. Oh. Yeah. That's, so that's tragic. That's very sad. Yes. Yeah. So as she entered into adolescence, she found herself on the receiving end of many displays of affection. Guys were, were okay. drawn to her. Young men oh, flocked. I, I feel her pain. Poor Me pain. and you. I, I, I can relate. <laughs> Right. It's like, oh, that was never a problem with me. So I noticed how you're completely ignoring me. Um, So obvious. She had a quote in her high school yearbook. She said, why should all life be work when we can all borrow? Let's think only of today and not worry about tomorrow. Oh, I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. You know what? That reminds me of my um, my take on student debt. I just paid my student (laughs) loans off like last week. And I'm not revealing my age, but I'm a little over 21. And you don't have a PhD. <laughs> and I do not. No, I don't have an advanced degree. And I just felt like this was just my, like, starting point. Like, I had to have a college. And I never worried financially. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't practical at all. So I really like yeah. that. Yeah, there's kind of, there's a, there's, um I love that kind of, that again, the free spirit about sure. her, right? And that's what people are drawn to. And I think that's what F. Scott is drawn to about her as well. For sure, her behavior violated societal norms of the day. Sure. But today yeah. we'd be like, what? Like it wouldn't be right. a big deal. I don't think the, the things they described, she was like, oh, she didn't want to wear stockings. It's like, ooh, well, outrageous. They're still talking about the royals that don't wear stockings. Right. I think that one chick gets busted all the time for yeah. not wearing nylons. Yeah. Within the past, a job I had maybe 10 years ago, I, a boss made a comment about that the women need to wear nylons. And Stop I was like, it. you have to, like, you're not. I swore as God is my witness, I would never wear nylons again. I just tight scarlet. It's tight, yeah, a little miss scarlet. Tights, yes, but now it's like, what are we? Is it nineteen forty seven? So she writes in her journal too that she rides boys' motorcycles, she chews gum, she smokes in public, she jan- dances cheek to cheek, she drinks corn liquor. Oh boy. And gin. Is that like a white claw? It's <laughs> it's more like a truly <laughs> Kathy brought me White Claw as a joke because I hate it and I want to punch everyone who drinks it. No, I'm just kidding. I just don't. I don't like it. You're, I like flavor when I, I have something to drink. Well, it's very trendy, so I think that's part it's of the Zima. problem. It's a Zima. I know. I did love those, too. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was 20. Yeah. We've grown up. Our taste should grow up. Okay. 
She said she was I'm the first there. to mop her hair, sneak out at midnight to swim in the moonlight with boys, and then to show up for breakfast if, if nothing had happened. So she's swimming. She's not, you know, right. she's not right. trashy. Well, she's just so who cares if she was? And so the other thing that's super interesting is one of her dear childhood friends is Tallulah Bankhead. Does oh, that yeah, name ring yeah, a bell? Yeah. So she was this, dancer. Was she she was a famous fan? American actress of stage and screen. Why am I picturing her with the fans? Is that another lady? Oh, maybe that's um Gypsy okay. Gypsy Rosalie. Sorry. About that. So Bankhead, she was had a real husky voice, kind of outrageous outrageous we're putting this in air quotes right um really funny really smart woman and she by the time she died she had nearly 300 film stage television and radio roles so she was kind of ubiquitous at that time okay they were very good friends they grew up together in the same town my god well Tallulah that sounds like a southern isn't that the best name I know I was thinking about that I'm like next dog I get is gonna be Tallulah very cute right so in 1918 Lieutenant F. Scott Fitzgerald met Zelda Sayre at a country club dance in montgomery alabama okay so he was stationed there and he just thought she was the quintessential southern belle and they had this chance encounter that basically led to their 22-year romance so she really thrived on his attention and he gave it to her he did just he know smitten. that she really wasn't a southern belle like i yeah, mean she is she's from montgomery i mean i mean yes she when i think was quintessential southern belle. southern belle i'm thinking like more towing the line i think again I think she was. Okay. I think she was. I, I mean, maybe she's not a tomboy. She's not dressed. You know, she's not in like pants and. Okay. She was just, um, again, spirited. But okay. she was. You know, she she definitely would. You'd I was just thinking maybe like he felt like he got duped. You know, like he had mm. this image of her that he had created okay. with that kind of, like. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I don't think that's okay. the case. And okay. we'll see when we get later right. on because he, I think he, he knew what he was getting. Okay. So he's definitely smitten by her charm and beauty. And so the letters they would write back and forth to each other then just deepened that affection. She was a great writer. She wrote really beautifully. And that just kind of really um, intensified his feelings. Do they feelings. have the copies of those letters? They do. They have a book that came out. I think her granddaughter published a book of their oh, letters. Yeah. And they're fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Because you really get a sense of their relationship and what a jerk he is. <laughs> um, so I did want to mention, so as I was doing this and I was writing this, I was thinking, how can I do this without talking about Scott? And I was like, you know what? Screw Scott. Right, right, you know, right. I'm like, I want to talk about Zelda. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. talk about him. He, I mean, I We've am heard enough, talk about him. I think. We've right. heard enough. We've heard enough. Let's let's her have it. Yeah. But again, I'm like, wait, this is my podcast. Exactly. I can do what I want. Right. No. Nope. not the boss of me. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. So... He gets discharged from the army, so 1980. So the war actually ends before he's really sent anywhere. Okay. So the war ends. Lucky. Yes. Good. So he settles in Manhattan, and he wants to become a writer. This is his plan. He's been working on this novel. And she writes him, and she's like, you know, I am all yours and love you with all my heart. And she says, our fairy tale is almost ended. We're going to be married and live happily ever after. Right? Right. Well, doesn't everyone think that? Yes. <laughs> get me some, get, grab my wine. But. She does have some fear about him not really having a career or finances yet, So, which is a valid concern. Because, again, if you are of this age, you depend on your husband to support you. Right, because what are her options? Like, what is she trained to do? Has she gone to college? So this is what – so as I'm researching Mm -hmm. this, it's this back and forth between, like, oh, oh, she was so – she wanted him to, you know, be famous before she married him. It's like – Okay, but so you're criticizing her for being this independent woman, but yet at the time period, 
her that was what she, you know right. so you want her to be typical a housewife but she's looking at a guy who has no prospects right, right. he's a writer so what do you want right he's a starving artist yeah he's a starving artist at this point and he flunked out of princeton Right. So her mom would send her these newspaper clips, like cut out newspapers, like, oh, here's another failed writer. Like, you know, just to warn her, like, hey, don't this might not be a good idea. She's 18. She's just turned 18. Oh, gosh. She's a baby. I mean, think about your baby. Right. But nobody at 18. She's like, oh, I want to marry this guy. You'd be like, honey. Yeah. No, I'd be sending clips too. <laughs> like a package, perfect sense. a package of clips, your package. So he proposes to her. her. Again, her parents aren't real enthusiastic about it because they're like, "What's the deal?" So she had to break off the engagement. Oh. And she said he professes love for her so intensely. He's like, "I can't, I can't be successful without you." That she was kind of like, "Ooh, okay, that's a little too much." Right. She felt the pressure. She's like, "That's a little too much." So she said, "You know what? Get your success first without me." And then come back to me. Right. Because as, a, you know, just as a person, like that would be a lot of responsibility. Like, you know, either way, then well, she didn't go want, south. She didn't want, right. 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 Then it's you. So it's I don't like, want credit or blame. Right. Mm-hmm. That's my parenting mantra, girl. Yes. No I, credit, no blame. No. I don't take either. Mm-mm. They came out that way. Really? That is so, in- we've never shared that really? before. Yeah. I oh, don't. I'm so that way. Mm-hmm. I had nothing to do with it. Because, again, when you see how different your children act and behave, and you're like, I'm the same. Right. Yeah, no, I think that was really wise of her mm-hmm. for that for the young age. Because most people get swept up, don't you think? Like, I know I would have at that age if I, uh-huh. like an older guy that yeah. professed, you well, know, with these gonna, beautiful gonna, love and letters. And she's in this little tiny town in Alabama, and he's right. in Manhattan, he's in New York, and how amazing. And she even describes when she first goes to New York, the train station alone, she's like, there's more than this train station. Like, she couldn't believe the size of it, right? How overwhelming that was to her. So actually, he does get, Scribner's does accept his um, novel, The Side of Paradise. Okay. And it publishes it. And then right a week later, they're married. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So she goes to New York, and they get married in St. Patrick's Cathedral, like a little tiny ceremony in St. Patrick's Cathedral. So she's just eight, maybe 19 at this point. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. So, like, kind of, like, motivating for him. Yes. Right? Like, uh-huh. so, like, good for her. Yeah. Yeah. But she, you know, followed through. And then right after their wedding, they talk about walking past the the bookstore so they could see his oh. book. And she's like, that's my husband's book. Oh, you know, really cute. That's so sweet. So that early part of their marriage is really amazing, right? So she's just so charismatic. And she's just this the original flapper, right? So lively. So much fun to be around. So much fun to have at a party and, and drinking. And they're, you know, this is prohibition time, too. So Yeah, I wasn't to... sure because my, my history timeline yeah, is, my is pretty fuzzy. You know what this reminds me of? Um the beginning of Gone with the Wind, my all-time favorite book and oh, movie. Oh, I never yep. read the book. Okay, the book, literally, I, I read it my freshman year in college. Did you really? I was skipping classes. I was going to say, what were you? Yeah. Should have been doing homework? Yes. Yes, I should have. <laughs> skipping classes. When it ended, I was literally in the deepest depression, like, not legit, but just crying, so sad it was over. But I'm thinking about the first couple years of their marriage, comparing it to the beginning of Gone with the Wind, the movie, where it's mm-hmm. color and beautiful and before the war and those uh-huh. just what seemed like such simple times, yes. but weren't simple for a yeah. lot of people, yeah. but just that beautiful the salad like, days. Yeah. Pat, my husband and I call them now. The salad days but when it's, it's fun like, and exciting. It's like you just and... want to stop right there. You don't want to watch the rest of yeah. it. Like I feel like that with this relationship. I want to stop it right here. Yes. <laughs> well, we, so even like um, Saturday, Pat and I went to this 
I dragged him to this vegan fest. And um, oh boy, <laughs> right? Oh, so then we, I'm like, okay, now we're gonna go to a bar afterwards, which we did. And we're like, how many? Would, how often would we do this where the two of us would just go out and hang out and just like on a Sunday afternoon and watch a game and just, you know what I mean? It was like we don't do that as much Unless, like, anymore. For my husband and I, it's more of a sporting event that uh-huh. we would go to or watch, right. or, you know. Right. So that's kind of yeah. We were kind of like, fest would not be on our list. Well, but I, I would dragged love it. in there. Yeah, yeah, and so he kicking I, and screaming. Yeah, but he ate everything, so it's good. It's very good. <laughs> good did, he, did he leave hungry? No, we were stuffed. Okay, yeah, it was very good. I believe it, but. Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> My husband would not, but I, I believe, I believe. Um, okay, so they're married. So, yes, yeah, so they are super popular couple, right? So this book comes out, and everyone's fascinated with them. They're really, you know, they're out everywhere in New York. People are seeing them. So they're in all the newspapers, and it's just this really, like, people, they're watching how she dresses, and he's buying her all these clothes and all these beautiful outfits, and just, she's just this, they describe in, in this book some of the outfits, and you're like, oh, I just. I know, it's glorious. Now, right. what is, what is with our desire, or, it's not a fascination, but what is our obsession with, like, People that we love, we love them, love mm-hmm. them, love them, and then we want them to go mm-hmm. down like mm-hmm. hard. Like, why? Why what, do we do that? Why do we do that? Why are we so pumped initially? Are we just like that? Well, then I think there there's comes a jealousy. Like, why them and not me? So if they if they implode, then you're like, good. I, <laughs> don't you think there's something to like s- to people like, that want that? Okay. Yeah, I don't. It's not in my. I'm not a jealous I don't, type. Yeah, I, I don't think that either. But it's it's odd, like, because I'm already seeing the writing on the wall with these two. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, everyone's celebrating that. Uh-huh. And it's just going to be in but a again, blink of so an eye. Young. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, she's not even 20. Right. Right. He's 22, 23. I mean, so young. It's like, think about what we were doing then. Oh. And imagine that we're in the newspapers and we're, I well, mean, I say, God help thank us. God every day that I did not grow up with social media, yeah. that everything. I did was documented. And I also think like I always try to be not all, I mean, I try to be, I don't always succeed, but I always try to see the best in people because I always think if you met me on three of my worst occasions, <laughs> you know, I, like I try to Can keep I list that, those three. <laughs> you wouldn't know all three I, of them. I got a list. <laughs> but three, I'm being, I'm being kind to myself because there's a lot more than that. But I'm just saying I try to think about that if you met me on my three worst occasions right. like oh my you'd ha- like hate my guts you might hate my guts or even right not now, even my but... worst occasion but if you met me on a bad day or you met me on a day you know what i mean yeah you yeah, have to kind of keep perspective i here's my thing too i don't get people to like i'm not like i don't inflate people mm-hmm. and i don't deflate people right. like i'm just like they're just well people. that's what's happening so they are inflating these yeah. people to be something more than they are and they're so right. young, and they're so wrapped up in this, and that's that's part of the problem. I think it's hard. It's hard to live up to well, that. It's hard to keep up. It's hard yeah. to keep up. So the other thing that's really interesting is at this time, he, you can see the characters in his book, okay. um, and things that he's writing. He's taking. He's observing Zelda, oh. and so a friend at the time said. Scott would hang on her words. He would applaud her actions and often repeating them for future reference, often writing them down as they came from the fountainhead. I've seen Scott jot down Zelda's remarks on odd pieces of paper or on the back of envelopes and stuff them in his pockets. At times, his pockets were fairly bulging with her her witty sayings and her bits of spontaneous observations. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question. Does that creep you out? Yes. That's a little odd. 
Well, that that it bothers me. This this kind of observation bothers me when what happens later. Okay, okay. I'm just finding it strange because like, he thinks. But so initially, let's think about this. Right. He's inspired by her. Yep. He's like, she's amazing. Look she's at this woman. Muse. She's beautiful. She's his muse, absolutely. And she's okay with that. Right. Right. Because she's so young, she really hasn't found her way. She really hasn't figured out what she's going to be yet or what she wants to do. She's too young. So. She's like, I'm, you know, great. She says funny things. He writes them down. Whatever. What's mm-hmm. the big deal? Who yeah. cares? Right. Well, and they're too. They're they're traveling in a different kind of circle mm-hmm. of people. So that, like, that probably isn't out of the ordinary. You know, that's just kind of like how artists work and creative people like sort of do. There's it. some kind of inspiration. Yeah, for sure. But I, it bothers me later. So okay. they talk about he that he modeled the protagonist in this side of paradise on Zelda, quoting her verbatim to create dialogue. He even took. Entire sections of her diary when he wrote The Beautiful and the Damned. Her diary. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Did she know about this? Yes. Okay. Okay. It seems kind of lazy. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think of the name for this episode. And it's gonna be something like F you, F Scott. <laughs> like that what what was that girl? Oh my god. Uh Annie DeFranco. Remember that song? No. It was F you. Oh. <laughs> but it was it starts out kind of sweet, then it's just yeah. it really oh my gosh. changes. That'll be the that'll be the song that just goes over. Yeah, I'll have song. that. I'll buy that for this. <laughs> It'll be worth it. So even at one point he shared her diary with his editor and literary critic. Um, and the guy said, this is great. I should, I want to publish it. And he's like, he gets super mad and he's like, no, no, you know, don't publish it. But what they did ask her to do was when he wrote The Beautiful and the Damned, they asked her to write a review of it. And it is fantastic. Let me read you wow. part of what she oh, wrote. I can't wait oh. to hear. Well, and it would depend on the day, you know. So she definitely, she makes use of his using her stuff. Okay. And, but you this beca- later becomes a huge source of resentment in their relationship, okay? So she this is her review. She says, it seems to me that on one page I recognized a portion of an old diary of mine which mysteriously disappeared shortly after my marriage. And also scraps of letters which, though considerably edited, sound to me vaguely familiar. In fact, Mr. Fitzgerald, I believe that's how he spells his name, oh seems to believe that plagiarism begins at home. <gasps> Ouch. Huh? Yeah. Well, that's her review. Is this the book. start of her writing career? So, <laughs> you asked that. <laughs> there is, throughout this. Well, you just pass that over to me on a piece of paper. Kathy asked ask this question. I did, don't refer to it. <laughs> Through in later on in their marriage, she writes stories and they publish them under both their names. Oh come on! Even though she wrote them, come because on. Because she's just the wife of this famous author. Couldn't she just adopt like a? He wouldn't he like need, a pen name. He, he wasn't writing anything. Okay. So he needed it to look like he was writing stuff. So she would get paid like four thousand dollars. She's like, we need the money. We need the money. Okay. We need this. And if my name's on it, we'll get four thousand. Whereas if if you just wrote it, you'd get nine hundred. Yeah, says who though? What if they found the out- publishers? Okay, so he had a deal with the publishers and stuff. So they put both and even stuff that stuff they would kind of start to write together, and then other things they did not absolutely write together, and they would put both their names on it. One thing they just put his name on it, and she's like, "I wrote that, I wrote that." So, do you think that 
He's an ass? Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> but do you think that the publishers would have changed their tune had they known how much she was writing? Like, I'm sure. Do you think he was honest with them? No, okay. I don't think okay. he was. Okay. I don't think he so was. So I don't know that he was honest. Well, who was, what women were writing at this point? Do you have, you have female authors. But again, he, this is him working through his publisher. Okay. Okay. So God knows what he's telling Right. Them. Right. So he definitely benefited from her charisma, her eloquence, and the idea that she was crazy. So the minute she'd complain or she would get upset, he'd be like, oh, you're something, you're, are you okay? You're kind of getting a little crazy. Mm. Hmm. So this dynamic that is pretty right. typical, right? So we've got women. We we mentioned this earlier: yep. academic, professional, artistic context who were mentored, and then all of a sudden see their work presented as someone else's. This is not uncommon. No, right? No. This happens. So you have this. Oh, so like so, so they've got this professional that they kind of latch on to, and that's kind of she felt too. She's like, I don't, really, I'm not really a writer. I don't really know what I'm doing. So she right, looked at him for help. Heard this, you yes. know. So it's kind of a little bit, you know, where she's trusting him. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining, and thinking yeah. he's doing the best for their family, and then potentially getting frustrated because this reminded me. Did you see that movie? Sandy Washington and I were talking about this in her episode, Big Eyes. No. About the painter. Wait, was this with Emma Stone? No. Or does it, she just have big mm. eyes? <laughs> does she? Let's name everyone who's got big eyes. <laughs> oh boy. No, it was. Um, who was it? I have no or idea. Maybe it is Emma Stone. I you see you're you're the People Magazine I know, person, I so am. you know better. So he, she's an artist, okay. and then he starts selling her paintings. This is a true story. Oh. Okay. It's you know the paintings of the kids with the big eyes. Ooh. Those creepy paintings yeah. in the seventies that were horrific. Yeah. yeah. She paints all these, and he's like, oh, I'm going to – so he says, I'll help you. I'll represent you or whatever. He starts selling them under his name. He gets famous for them. He's on TV. He's on whatever. And she's like, no. Right. No. So she, he's very abusive. She has enough of it. They go to court, and he's just you know crazy and going off, and the judge goes, okay, paint. paint. If it's your painting, paint it. And he goes like, oh, these brushes are wrong. These aren't, these aren't my paints. That and is... she's like, if, it's your, if you're the painter, paint, and he couldn't do it. Oh my! I see. I love that kind of justice. Yeah. Yes, it's a great movie. You'd love it. Okay. It's very good. So those are those paintings. So I was thinking about that too. It's like here's someone who just did that and felt had no problem taking that what because is, she couldn't speak up. She how couldn't. How does that like? How does one person do that? You know what I mean? Like, does he feel like entitled because he kind of brought her into this relationship and maybe he thought like she it rubbed off on her his writing skills or? That's a great question. Um, Does he feel like he, yeah, like he had such a strong influence that she was able to kind of take away from his? So there's a part in the book, let me see if I can find it, where he kind of, they have a kind of a back and forth about this. So there's there's a point where she's mad about the fact that they don't, it's an article that she wrote herself. Okay. And her name's not on it. Yeah. A story that she wrote. And how does he defend um, wait, himself? Wait, shoot, it's, this isn't it. Hold on, let me okay. see. Yeah, because there's a, a very interesting. So he says, um, again, this is this is a novel. This is fictionalized, but this is you know typical of what they would what he would say. So he says, um, this joint byline business is making. She goes, this joint byline business is making me cranky. I'm going to tell Harold to make him change it to just my name after the first two stories are out. Okay. And he goes, but they're all joint efforts. You rely on my critiques and my connections to get them published and publishable. 
And she says, if that's so, then why isn't Hemingway's first book also by you? And he says, you and I are a team. You're using our joint experience and what are essentially my ideas or my theories, at least. And so she's thinking of all the ways I just assisted with his work. And I said, well, then why isn't my name on your stories and books? He goes, well, it's not the same thing. And she says, well, no, okay, well, tell me the difference. And he goes, the difference is between the amateur and the professional. I'm a writer. It's my profession, how I earn my living, whereas you dabble. The same way you dabble at painting and dance. And she says, so all those times when you wanted my help to work on a plot or he goes, I was just trying out ideas on you, thinking out loud or surveying opinions. I don't need your help. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, this was something they for sure confronted in their relationship where she'd be like, then why is my if you're going to put your name on my stuff? Why isn't my name on your stuff? And his answer was, well, you're not as good as I am. And you're not, you know, to me, it's like you're being gaslighted. Totally. Now, what when they were so when they were like had the double um, byline, mm-hmm. whose name was first? Her name. I don't name? know. That's a good question. Um, I think it. I don't. I don't know. But it was sort of like, oh, isn't this cute? A husband and wife writing these stories together. But then, why isn't it cute with them writing a novel together? Like, do you know what I'm because saying? Because he's saying we didn't write it, even though he took excerpts from her right diary. Literally, and she helped him with plots. the words out mm-hmm. of her mouth. Literally interesting it's it's funny how he can justify in these articles Mm -hmm. or short stories Uh but in his novels he's kind of a snob like that's only him right right and i love you used a great word there justify so it's like you can do really shitty things and justify it right and that's what's happening here is he's doing a real shitty thing is he's using her he doesn't want her to get the credit. He doesn't want her to get um, – he's threatened by her mm-hmm. Yeah, because he, he knows she's good. Right. And initially he's, like, enamored with that. Mm-hmm. But why does – it's just, like, how great would it be to have two writers in a family? Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Okay. But what happens when you can't write as well as you used to? Okay. And I think that's what happens because he becomes a big drunk. Oh. And he can't write. Mm. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> The end. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So. So she's a threat, right? And it's in his face about she's a, here's this young girl who he saved, right? Who he kind of, she's enamored with him and she's his muse. And now after years of kind of being around all these people and kind of absorbing all this, now she's sort of like, okay, now I can kind of do something and become something. And he's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. No. And don't you think it's interesting because I feel like because he has the pressure of he has the pressure of being like an author and a writer mm-hmm. or a novelist or that it's it is coming down on him versus she's got I just kind of throw some words together and put it on a page. That's I'm so glad you said that because you're right. There is pressure on him where there's no pressure on her. Right. He has to perform. He has to write. And so that can be debilitating. And I think that's the artists. That's their like their cross to bear Mm -hmm. you know like i know how that is like just for example my i'm a fitness instructor i love my job it's fantastic i make people very happy when they're done but (laughs) i don't like i go into someone else's class so so i have my schedule and i go and teach someone else's class i feel like it's such a relief Mm -hmm. because it's all good right Right. like they're like i mean of course there's Mm -hmm. there could be something but it's like so i kind of get that Mm -hmm. perspective of like just kind of dabbling to yes. use his word uh-huh. to dabble 
there's no pressure because right. no one's expecting anything of you, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, and you're not expecting anything mm-hmm. of yourself. You're just like constantly like, oh, that, okay, so that was good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, that. I felt that, you know, you remind me too, like, so years ago when my husband and I were doing um, life insurance and filling out like a life insurance policy. Do you remember the story? No, but I'm just, um, I'm <laughs> scratching, I'm scratching because, my head oh, because no. I missed the opportunity before I had some just kind of crazy little thing. So now I'm, um, I'm uninsurable, which is fine because now I'm relieved right. that I'm yes. better off alive than dead. That's yeah. a kind of a yeah. nice See, place my, to be in a yeah, marriage. At this point, I'm worth more dead than alive. But I'm sorry. When we were that. filling it out, I was like, I, I forget what the amount was. And then my husband said to me, well, but you, you don't have it. I wasn't working then. Like okay. the kids were tiny. And okay. it was, he's like, and I said, yeah, but like I'm taking, I'm taking care of the children. I'm home with them. To this day, I wish I had charged for my child care <laughs> services. I really. And you know my husband. He's very liberal. Oh, he's very, absolutely. he's wonderful. So you're listening to this, sweetheart. I love you. You're amazing. But it was just one of I those agree, things Pat. where it was like, what are you talking? Like, no. it, it was that what I was doing wasn't being valued. And I was like, Oh, that's that's interesting, you know, because, yes, he was bringing a paycheck. He's bringing a salary. Sure. That makes sense. So if something happens to him, we're losing that money. But I'm like, but if something happened to me, you would have to pay someone to come in to do what I'm doing. You're right. getting it for free. Right. So, yeah, it was just kind of I, I, I just again, as I research this. So mm-hmm. when I when I research, I go through I just kind of everything I can get. I go through it, read it, kind of do a script. And then I go back again. Okay, interesting. And I research again. What did I miss? Mm-hmm. What did I? What am I not hearing? I and reread my script and I go, I, this is one-sided. I'm missing something. Or this is, you know. Right. So just to try to get, and so I definitely had, I kind of came back to this a few times because I was like, there's something here that I'm missing. And so much of this was written by men. Yes, yes. And when we get to her later hospitalizations, you're going to lose your mind. Oh, okay. boy. Pour another drink because I'm, I'm telling you. To. I'm going to. You're going to lose your mind. Okay. So. And you know what? We all have moms, right? Like we all love our moms. So why all of a sudden it's like, do women become, I don't get it. I really don't get it. So 1920s, Paris has, we're thinking, so think 1920s, Paris, you and I are there. Let's imagine we're sipping champagne. Okay. No, which champagne glasses would you I'm, be using? I'm using a, a... You like those low ones, right? I do. What do I they love call the saucer them? champagne. The saucer champagne. They're fancy. Yeah. You you spill them all over, but uh-huh. it's right. See, now going, like, to me, that's a 40s Bogart, yes, right? call. You have moment. to drink it out of that mm-hmm. glass. Or, or, or for a slipper. Or forget it. <laughs> a slipper. Yes. And then you smash the glasses <laughs> into the fireplace. So think about Paris at this time. Okay. So all the, again, all this lost generation, the jazz age. So in 1921, Zelda and Scott set sail for Paris. So they've been in Manhattan. Now they're heading over to Europe. Um, they heard that you could live very cheaply. The problem with Scott was he would spend his money before he got it. So if Ooh. he knew he was making 4000 it he, it would be gone. They'd get the most expensive hotel room. They would have spent it. They would have... And he controlled all the money. She okay. never had any control over that. So it was gone. And so he's like, well, I can write another story. I can write another book. I can do another. But they were always living like sure. beyond, way beyond their mm-hmm. means. Mm-hmm. So they go back through there. But they actually came back in October because they had their daughter, Scotty, who they called Scotty. She was Frances Scott Fitzgerald. That's the cutest I name. Know. I love that. Isn't that cute? I kind of didn't even he realize de- they had He a... demanded that was her name. So. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, I kind of didn't even know they had children. 
they just had Scotty. She ended up having, she had to have an ovary removed. Um, she had a lot of like stomach issues and like really bad. She had, had like colitis forever and was really suffered. Oh, no. Yeah, really bad. But what is super cute is that, so they're like, okay, we came back. She's like, we played it safe. We went to St. Paul. It seemed really inappropriate to bring a baby into all that glamour. <laughs> right. That's a great yeah. phrase, So she's like, but... we had to bring him back, bring her back. But in a year, we were back again, and we began doing the same things over again and not liking them very much. So by 1922, they had um, they'd employed a nurse. He insisted that they have a nanny okay. and have a very strict and super mean nanny. Huh. Is that how he grew up? No, but he said because Zelda was so free-spirited, he didn't want their daughter to... And she was okay with that. She didn't have a choice. Okay. He chose the people. He made all those decisions because, again, she's just the woman. Ugh. So they had people clean the house, do that kind of stuff. And there's, you know, again, I'm reading these stories like, oh, she wasn't a great domestic. It's like, well, no, she was raised in a house with maids. Like right. she didn't have right. to do that stuff. And he employed these people. So it's like, but Harper and Brothers asked her to contribute this, a recipe to famous recipes of famous women. So she wrote. Oh, I can, I'm already nervous. Can I tell you this? Yes. It's so great. I'm thinking. You really get a sense of her personality. She goes, see if there's any bacon. And if there is, ask the cook which pan to fry it in. Then ask if there are eggs. And if so, try to persuade the cook to poach two of them. Oh it's not better attempt to, better to not attempt toast because it burns very easily. Also, in the case of bacon, do not turn the fire too high or you'll have to get out of the house for the week. Serve preferably on china plates, though gold or wood will do if handy. So she gets yeah, it's tongue, tongue in cheek. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tongue in cheek. She gets that this is ridiculous. She doesn't really know what she's doing. So And why do we want recipes from famous people? Why do we think they're better cooks than like our family or just some yeah, regular that's a good Joe? Point. Like and it, well, that's that's all of Rachel Ray, isn't it? Like stupid, like stars coming. No on offense and, to any Rachel Ray fans. I have tried her recipes; they're horrible, <laughs> horrible. Like, I mean, sometimes it takes longer than thirty minutes. Yes, yeah. I think she's darling, though. I she yeah. I really I like her a yes. lot, and I no. think she's got a great. But yeah, I don't like to. I don't like shows that are that fast paced. Mm. Like we're gonna do the okay, then we're gonna make this. It's like you could have the whole show just about making that spaghetti. Right. I, you know what I mean? But I know that's how it's set up. I, I know. Right. I understand that. But that's very irritating to me when it's so fast paced. We're going to have this guy in for three and a half minutes. How do you feel about that Giada? I want to punch her in the face. Okay. My husband is Does in she, love. No. He, well, yeah. Because she's. Her. Love. I can't trust a skinny cook. Sorry. I can't trust a skinny cook. And you're not Italian. And that's not her real last name. She's That's her married name. She's divorced though, isn't she? I don't know. Yes. I don't know. She's. Yeah. I just find, like, I think I might. Her and who's the Barefoot Contessa with her stupid husband. Ina Garden. Oh, she loves her husband. Oh, oh and I'm going to Jeffrey. Make, Jeff, Jeffrey. And I'm going to make this for Jeffrey. I, and then Jeffrey and I, it's like, Jeffrey's, like, in the back, like, smoking pot or, like. Jeffrey is the most loved husband in the world. My <laughs> husband would die to be as loved as Jeffrey is. I feel bad as a wife every day that I don't love my husband as much as she loves Jeffrey. He, I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's so annoying. Do you annoying. think it's a put on? Seriously, how often is she cooking for Jeffrey? I dude, she never. She's got a thousand shows. She's got cookbooks. Jeffrey's like eating McDonald's. <laughs> McRib is back. <laughs> Jeffrey loves him. Jeffrey loves a McRib. 
Oh my God. But it's that, so my, we always tease my sister Mary too, like wherever we're at someplace, she'll say about her husband, oh, Jeff would love this. So we have a drinking game. Like whenever oh she says that we have to drink. God. We're like, okay. It's like, but he's not here and oh. we are. Right. <laughs> oh, Jeff would love this. Poor Jeff. Dude, I do think Jeffrey is the most loved <laughs> man in the universe. I want to spend an afternoon with Jeffrey and see if he's worth it. What if he's a total jerk? He seems really sweet. I've seen him like on the patio. <laughs> he seems very appreciative of all of our efforts. And Jeffrey's coming back. Oh, he's just dug a hole in the backyard. You're like, Jeffrey. Alfred. No, he hasn't. Jeffrey's mm-hmm. like hiding in the shed with a bottle of vodka. Okay. So at this point, they he moves his family to Great Neck, New York, this okay. really wealthy enclave, which is going to kind of serve as that setting for Great Gatsby. Oh, okay. Right? So this that West Egg area that he created in Great Gatsby. So they rent this house. He's working on Great Gatsby. Another one of my favorite books. Yes. I really like that book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really do. Again, a lot of stuff she says really? is in that book. Huh. Zelda, when she has Scotty, says something like, I hope she's a, what does she say, like a beautiful fool or something. Oh, okay. She said that when Scotty was born, he used that in the book. Mm. Again, he's like taking, while in labor. It seems like. My um, husband's eating trail mix in the corner and I was ready to kill him. But he's like taking stuff she's saying and like putting it in his next novel. Yeah, boy. (sighs) No, not cool. So they, they end up moving all these places. They're moving, moving, moving because there's too many distractions and they're getting he's getting drunk with all these people. So this kind of crazy lifestyle isn't really ending. It's hard. It's not great for a writer if you're out drinking every night. And so they had all these visitors coming. His college buddies would come. And so they are like, we need to go back to France. So they go back to Paris in 1924. They've got Scotty with them. And Scotty, they asked her, she's been asked about like her childhood, and she's like, they were very circumspect around me. It was, I was very unaware of all this drinking that was going on. She said, I was very well taken care of, and I was never neglected. And she said, I don't consider I had a di- very difficult childhood at all. In fact, it was rather wonderful. Oh, my gosh. I, I would pray that my kids would say that. Right. Not one of them would. <laughs> but but you, there's still time. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was really, I was like, oh, good. Okay, good. You're okay. Absolutely. You know? yeah. And I mean, there, it takes all kinds yeah. to parent. You yeah. know, you don't need the strict nanny. Or, yeah. It yeah, can work. Well, it I can guess. work. Yeah, that's our other podcast. <laughs> Why? Why I stink I as a parent. <laughs> um, so now they're in the French Riviera. And so that would serve as like the setting for his, the book that he wrote, Tender is the Night. Oh, so she spread that in our book club. Oh, did you? Uh-huh. Come on. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. What did you think? Did you like it? No, nobody liked it. <laughs> Swear. It was a universal dislike. Yeah. But I, I'm thinking had we read it during that time, we prop. although I think it got bad reviews. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did not get good reviews. So she starts, he's, again, he's like, oh, just, we've got a nanny. We've got a cook. We've got a, you know, so he's like, just, you know, just go. And she's like, she's at the beach every day. She's like, I'm bored out of my mind. Like, she's not doing anything. Right. She's young. She's gone from party, party, party to now we're not doing anything. He's either drinking or he's writing. And so she starts this kind of a relationship with this um, French aviator, Edouard Josanne. And it's essentially, they say it's unconsummated, but he, she kind of, she actually considered leaving uh-huh. F. Scott for this okay. guy. And so they would swim together at the beach and kind of, they'd kind of hang out sure. at the casino. Maybe, maybe some making out happened sure. there. 
Sounds innocent. So after six weeks, she asks him for a divorce. She says, I'm done. Wow. Okay. And he's like, no, like locks her in the house and like basically convinces her is like, you will lose your daughter. Oh. Which if if that gets out that you're having an affair, you're going to lose your daughter. And she was like. Well, he's probably right. He's right. So she forgets that he's like, let's get back to let's get back to us. Let's get back to our relationship. And so there seems to be a lot of drama with them. So flirtatious stuff, him kind of him flirting or cheating. Right. Right. From what I read, I don't have any other examples of her cheating with anybody else. Okay. With him, there seemed to be many. Okay. And like there was one night when they were out at dinner and Isadora Duncan was at the a table and he literally like crawled on the floor and laid himself at her feet and was like, you He's know, getting like creepier. And by she's the rubbing his hair. And so she Zelda like jumps, throws herself down the stairs. She's yeah. like, I, I'm done. Like right. this is just ridiculous. So they said there was a lot of that. But again, everything I've read, there's it's mostly Scott. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like, why did he need to do, like, God, did, how much attention did this man need? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, wow. Constant. You're, you're getting the the work. You're getting mm-hmm. all this, you know, this praise, this mm-hmm. just adoration. And it's, it's like, never enough. It's never it's enough. It's empty. Empty. Right? He's just got a big hole that you can't fill. So then he publishes Gatsby. Gatsby wasn't very popular when it came out. It really didn't okay. sell very well. So that was 1925. So they're living in Paris. So at this time, 1925, it's got this really kind of bohemian reputation, right? There's lots of champagne, nightlife. They're hanging out in the left bank. And again, he's he- relying heavily on his wife's, her personality, using that in his writings. What's and it- he like personality-wise? I mean, is he kind of an observer, would you say? or And she's kind of like... I'm picturing her doing, is it the Charleston or the, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, and he's just kind of on the sidelines. I feel like from what they were saying, there's a lot of him like self-talk, right? Talk about his writing, talk about oh, himself, okay. talk okay. about, you know, he's the main focus. I'm not feeling like, so if he's writing down snippets of her conversation uh-huh. and things, then it's just like, that's his, like, so he's not participating. He's just like observing. No, he's there too, for sure. But I think he's drinking a lot. Okay, okay. He's just kind of drinking. So they're going out and they're hanging out with all these people and he's drinking a lot. Again, this is kind of that point. So in the 20s, so she's got this horrible colitis. She ended up actually having to have like her appendix removed and like really bad, you know, they're out drinking and eating all okay. this rich foods right. and she's just like, she got really sick. But she was super bored. That when happens in like with Parisian food. Remember like Julie and Julia? Did you see that movie where when Julia Child and her husband first moved to France and started eating no, the food? I yeah, didn't see they that. like got super sick. Yeah, just because it's butter and cream. Like yeah. they weren't used to it and they were eating it like crazy. Yeah. yeah. So that so another sense. thing. So again, she's if he's writing or if he's out, it's like she's super bored. She's like. So you think about her when she's like 18 or 19, she's like, oh, this is great. I'm out of my town. Now she's like, okay, now I'm in Paris. Here's this woman who really does have an artistic soul, an artistic spirit. She's around all these writers. She's around all these people. She's like, what am I going to do? Right. Right. She gets it. it. She's getting inspired. She's getting inspired by this. And so he's basically severely alcoholic at this point and they're saying well her um her behavior became becomes increasingly erratic it's like no she's bored out of her mind well and what's happening with the baby or the young child yeah, so they've got they've got this nanny okay. so that's taking care of the baby so she really doesn't she's she has nothing n- to do right, right she has no purpose right she has no purpose and this and is someone who wants purpose she doesn't want to just shop all day no and she's so talented yeah. like 
I mean, and he's always like, "Oh, poor you! You get to do nothing all day, and I have to support us, and I have." She's like, "How are you supporting us at the bar?" Right. And like everyone wants to have some value that they're doing something and being recognized for it. That's just human nature. I think, I think that's the case with her, and I think the older she got, so you go from this young girl, right? right. And you grow up when you have that first kid. That's when you grow up, and no she's matter what time. Eighteen of, or nineteen, and then now she's in her, you, you know. So she's 1925, so that she was born in 1900. So she's like 25, okay? So she also starts to go back to her love of ballet. So she starts training in that again. And so she's, um, they talk about it becoming kind of this unhealthy obsession for her. Wow. She's training seven hours a day. Yeah. She's not drinking. She's not eating the crappy food. No. So initially it's this very good, very healthy outlet. But when you're doing ballet for seven hours a day. Seems extreme. But she says... When I was there, I, no one was yelling at me. No one was telling me I was worthless. No one was criticizing me. And I was happy. So I that was my escape. Sure. So it makes Sounds. sense, right? It's like he basically ran her off there. But again, she's also, she's painting, she's writing, and she's being inspired by all these people around I'm her. I'm exhausted. <laughs> the seven hours Kathy. of ballet put me in the coma. And then doing all the other things. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So look at all these talents she has. She's, it's not why, just why isn't anyone realizing this? Well, people did. So she was offered a lead in wow. a in okay. a Italian company, and he made her turn it down because he said she's like it's just eight months. I'll go for eight months. And he goes, if you leave, I will divorce you and tell them that you abandon your daughter and you'll never see her again. That's so mean spirited. Why couldn't Why couldn't he let her go? Why couldn't he go with her? What's I mean? That's what oh, she said. She goes, come with me. Right, you can write. Right. Nope. Too distracting, too distracting, can't be there. She's like, you're out every night drinking here. Why, why can't we go together? No, because that was her thing. And he, again, he's threatened by that. He's threatened by any success that and she would have. And because it's like, what they could be like a power couple. She can be the ballerina yes. and he's the, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I get where he's competitive in the own, in the own, like the, in the, in the, um, in the writing sphere. But like, why can't she be this great ballerina? Right. Like what's, it's no skin off your nose, you know? Interesting. Hmm. I know that you're saying everything that was in my head the whole time I'm reading. I'm reading this stuff. Why? Why is this a problem? Right. Why is her being a success a problem for him? And it's not that he's even wanting her to be like this domestic mother. No, he doesn't. No. So what does he want? That's probably what she's asking herself mm-hmm. every day. What does he mm-hmm. want? Yeah. So. Around this time, too, you know, Ernest Hemingway comes into the picture. He writes a movable feast. Did you ever read that? I so did I, not. A lot of friends who really, and there's a lot about the Fitzgeralds in there. Okay. And you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because um, we know Hemingway. He's he's an ass. Well, he's got like a really interesting take on life. like, And he's also telling things what's going to make him look better. Well, right? sure. What's going to make him? Yeah. He's very concerned about his, how he looks. So he's basically talking about him being this new journalist coming to Paris in the 1920s. He talks about the Fitzgeralds. There's a really famous chapter in there where um, he says F. Scott takes him out to this cafe and he tells him that Zelda says his penis is too small and that she could Come never, on. he could never satisfy a woman. Come on. Right. So then he says, he goes, she's the first one I was with. And so he's worried about it. So he goes, we went to the bathroom. He showed me. I said, oh, you're fine. Okay. All right. So what I'm thinking is the ultimate dick move. Okay. Le- let me read you what I wrote on the side of my paper. Ernest is a dick. 
I mean, did they get the rulers out? Like, seriously. But, Talk so, about a pissing but, competition. Right, but him mentioning this, it's like him undermining Scott, right? He's undermining Scott by like, oh, this guy's so insecure. I'll tell him he's okay. And Who does he think he is, first of all? Okay, I know you can hear my dog barking. I'm so sorry. Hold on a second. Okay, so yeah, so I literally wrote in here, Ernest is a dick. Um, it's such a guy thing. Like, no women's, like, come into the bathroom, show me your tits, and yeah. let's compare. Okay, you're fine. Like, right. <laughs> So, the, initially, so Hemingway basically uses Scott. He uses him, right? Okay. So, he's like... Scott's helping him with his his um, writing. He's help, you know, helping him edit. He's loaning him a ton of money, which she finds out later. Always asking him for money. He's loaning him all this money. And for him, it, were, it was better for Hemingway if he undermined the relationship with Zelda. So I think initially he was jealous of their connection. Scott was still, I mean, they had this connection. He was dependent on Zelda, right? What is with that? The boyfriend and the best friend. Kathy, okay, this is what I wrote down (laughs) next. This is, get out of my head. I wrote jerky guy friend who says your wife is a bitch. Yes. Amen, sister. Right? So I, I love that, right? Oh, your wife's a bitch. It's like, no, you want to go out and drink for like 17 hours and like come home at four in the morning. And I'm a and I'm the jerk. So he was doing that kind of stuff. Right. Like, oh, your right. wife's, oh, she's, you know, tight leash or, you know, that making her the bad guy when it's Hemingway's who's, who's the bad guy. Right. He just wanted to undermine their relationship. And he would always talk about how how much better his relationship with his wife was, Hadley, who he, P.S., he ends up divorcing and having an affair with another woman, like basically in the same room with her. You know, it's all it's a slippery slope. Like I anyone who says their relationship is better than another mm-hmm. person, it, it it's it leaves me cold. Like there's I I first of all, I'm not a trusting person mm-hmm. at all, so I'm assuming they're lying. Mm-hmm. And if it's why do you so have to great, say that? thank you. Why do you have to say it? Exactly. What do we always say? If you got to say it, you ain't got it. If you got to say it, you ain't got it. Right, right, right. So that book was published after his death, so maybe he would have made changes to that. Maybe he Mm-hmm. May not have left some of that stuff in, but there's also it seemed that he and Zelda had a, Hemingway and Zelda had a very great relationship until a certain point, and okay. then it went ugly. Huh. So there's some speculation that he made a pass at her, and okay. she rejected him, and he was like, "Wow, okay, yep. now I'm now yeah. I'm, you rejected the great me." There's also speculation that they think Hemingway had a crush on F. Scott Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense to mm-hmm. me, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. That F. Scott didn't reciprocate that. Right. He saw himself as, you know, a friend. And I feel like uh, Hemingway, I, I could see him loving just whoever he loved, like very fluid. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is that the word now? I don't see, no, I don't see Hemingway as that because he's such a manly man and hunting and but, shooting and killing. Right, exactly. That, yeah, you're so, protesting mm-hmm. too much. Uh, I saw that show with Stacey Keach when he did Hemingway. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, don't worry. Okay. And it was just a, like a one-man show. Remember, he did it. He was, <gasps> didn't he have a heart attack? He had a heart attack, okay. like, on stage. And, like, then they canceled it, and they came back the next year, and then I saw him. I was like, I think the heart attack would have been more interesting <laughs> than this performance. It was very... And a friend of mine... Dry or... It was just like he was, like, reading reading lines, oh, reading lines, reading it. lines, got reading it. lines. And I was like, mm. it was not good. And I see... You know me. I see it ton yes. of stuff yes. i see a ton of shows and he's a good actor well he's a shakespearean actor did you know that he's ranked as one of like the best shakespearean actors i was like what 
See, now I don't see a lot of plays. I'm more of a movie TV girl. So, yeah, Yeah, it was not. And my sister, we saw it separately. And she goes, we always like try to compare notes. And so she goes, tell me what you think. So she didn't tell me. Mm -hmm. And then I saw it and I was like, no, right. Not good. I would have preferred to see a no name actor play him. Someone who was really good in that role. But I get it. Poor Stacy. (laughs) Good for him for coming back, though. That's kind of like that's pretty like. (laughs) Dedication? Yes. Yeah, that's good. So let me see. Where where am I? Let's get back to the... Okay. Oh, we, we were, there was speculation about... Jerky guy friend. Yes. Okay. So now we're 1927. So F. Scott decides we need to go back to... I'm, I'm too distracted. There's too much going on here. I need to go back to Maryland. My mom's in Maryland in Washington, D.C. I've never even heard him mention his mother till right now. Yes. So, so we need to go back. He's I need, desperate. And so she's like, what do you... You can write, let's, you can write anywhere. Like, you're going to drag right. me away from here. She, you know, she's training. She's doing all this stuff. It's like, yeah, we got to go back. Too many distractions. So she just, again, she's following him everywhere, right? So they go back, and on the way, they're on the boat back, and he gets a telegram from Douglas Fairbanks and Hollywood saying, I want you to write a script. I'll pay you like $10,000. So he goes, hey, honey, forget my mom. We're going to drop Scotty off at my mom's, and we're going to go to L.A., so she's like, wait, well, wait a second. Like, I thought, he goes, no, scripts are where it's at. Hollywood's where it's at. She's like, okay. It's really interesting to me how she seems like such a progressive woman. Mm-hmm. And, like, even from a young age, she had a mind of her mm-hmm. own, kind of a free spirit. Mm-hmm. But, like, she got into this marriage and she really bought into the husband. I don't think she had a choice. Yeah. So she she's still doing She's still painting. She's dancing. Right. She's writing. She's still doing all these things. But but she still doesn't have a say like where they live, where they move, where they go, no, where her daughter again, he, is. When you see like his response to stuff, it's like he's twisting it. He's yeah. you know turning it to his advantage. No, I know I, I get that, but like oh. and she like here's what I'm seeing too: a girl, woman, has got no family, right? No sisters, no friends. Who Zelda? Oh no, she's the youngest of six. Right, but I'm she's not, got she does have sisters and but friends. Like, she's not bouncing things off of them, or they she just is. they're just saying yeah. Go she's with definitely it. writing letters, but again, you're thinking about the age, the time yeah. period. Her she wrote her mother once. Her mother says, "Honey, if you would just accept your role as wife, you'd be a lot happier." Hmm. But she she doesn't even really have that like wife and mother because she's not really. If doing you just sat and were an airhead. And right. had no opinion and just sat there and oh, were beautiful. Which, okay, okay. Just shut your mouth. Oh, and that's be, what she was saying. Yes. Okay. So okay. she was like, just kind of go along with whatever your husband wants. That sort of thing. She's like, you'll be a lot happier. She's not that person. And right. that's not the person he fell in love with, right? He fell in love with this free spirit, this amazing dynamic person. And then he's mad that she's this amazing dynamic person because he's threatened by it. Such a, just a bummer. So she he ends up dating the 17-year-old actress film actress in LA and he's like oh I'm going out to lunch with her and her mother and she's like okay that's kind of weird whatever and so he's out but he's like he wanted her home or at the hotel or whatever wanted her there unless she was with him but she couldn't do her own thing and then he keeps telling her about this Lois Moran this actress and like oh she's so she's so amazing she's so driven and she's like I, I could be driven, right. but you're not right. letting me be right. driven. And she's like, you know, and she wrote him later on. She's like, you know, in California, you wouldn't let me do anything. And then you compared me to this woman and saying that she was so ambitious, but any ambitions I've had, you've squashed. So what do you want? He's just playing some mind games with yeah. her. Yes. 
don't you think it's yeah. mind games it's twisting and it gets worse it gets so worse well, and here's the thing it's like the i just can't believe even with all this stuff like that he's able to kind of get away with it because she is such like i can't imagine her staying with him uh-huh. like like right. So here's what happens. So anytime she would anytime she would complain or she'd be like, what are you doing with this woman? Or anytime she would complain about this, he'd be like, you're crazy. Oh, you're oh, you're overreacting. You're kind of something's wrong. Are you OK? Are you right? It's this that would make me crazy. Right. It, that's and that's it. So she's so he's like, I've done nothing wrong. You're kind of overreacting. You're so then he's a lot smarter than kind of we give he's him a total manipulator credit for yeah, yeah he's total manipulating um one thing she talked about though so this is like that was like 27 so like 29 when the stock market crashed she's like good thing we didn't have any money invested because right. we didn't lose anything We're fine so he spent everything they made so that was not really a concern 1930 she has a mental breakdown in paris so she again she's doing ballet to the point of absolute right. exhaustion. exhaustion sure they're, you know, they're back. And so they do this. They diagnose her with schizophrenia, which she's not a schizophrenic. And they do these shock treatments and these drugs. And it's like she calls it a sort of a castration. Oh, my Like God. really horrible shock treatments, like really, really bad. And, and she's OK with it. She allows this. No. She doesn't have a choice. No. Here's the thing. So guess who's helping her doctors with her treatment? I'm guessing hubby. Yeah. So he's writing to the doctors, here's what her problem is. Here's what's happening. She won't accept the fact that I'm the head of the household. She's, you know, this, she's got these ideas. Hysteria. Isn't that what they call it? Hysteria. Kathy? Yeah. I think about that story like the, what was it, the yellow wallpaper? Mm -hmm. The woman kind of loses her mind. So here's the husband saying, oh, she's hysterical. She's this. Here's all her problems. And he's like, and then he's, he's got her committed. And he's basically saying, this is really expensive. It's costing me a lot of money to have you here. And she's like, then let me out. She can't, excuse me, he can't make up his mind. Like, now he's got, now he's married to a crazy person. Like, he didn't kind of think it through. Yeah. So now, I always think, too, my theory, who's the crazier, the actual crazy person or the person that's attracted to the crazy person? Mm -hmm. Not to say she's crazy. That's a, yeah. And again, no offense to anyone. Like, uh, I, I think he drove her crazy. I think he drove her crazy because here he's like, oh, do this. Don't do this. OK, you can, you can have this. He didn't want her dancing, but he didn't want her. Oh, you're sitting around doing nothing. She's like, well, OK, but I want it. But you can't dance too much. He didn't want her to be good at anything. No, no. Well, it's just a lot of people can't handle any kind of comparison. No. Because he or would come up short. Yes, he would come up short. So they would exchange these letters. And again, you see these letters. Um, one of them, he said, we ruined ourselves. She goes, I never honestly thought that we ruined each other. And please do not write me about blame. Wow. And then she says, start whatever you need to start for a divorce immediately. And he's like, but I love you with all my heart because you're my own girl. And that is all I know. Anytime she'd be like, I'm done. We're mm-hmm, over. Mm-hmm. He'd go, But I love you. But I love you. But I love you. And she's later on. She's like, you know, I'm better. But this is losing my mind is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So well, it's kind of that. You weren't crazy until you went into the asylum. Now you're friggin' crazy. Well, she was like, I'm bored out of my mind. And he said, don't let her dance. She can't dance. Don't let her dance. And then the doctors would literally... Okay, so there's this passage in... So here's here's my question. Like, why are doctors taking advice from a novelist, author? Like, her husband. Her husband. Who has no medical background. No. No. Okay, so... And again, like, where's her family? Like, I, I... 
the doctor says, okay, so you've been with us for 11 months. And so let's evaluate your progress. How do you presently feel about Mr. Fitzgerald's success in relation to your own failed attempts? <gasps> Jeez, we call that a loaded question. So her husband's saying, F. Scott's telling the doctors, she's trying to compete with me. Right. She's outside her station. And this is the issue. This is the problem. She can't. It's too much. She's trying to she's trying to compete with me. It's the opposite. Right. Right. So she's like, what? <laughs> right. And he's like, do you feel remorse? Do you feel bad? Do you feel do you and realize the, now that your wife must first tend to domestic matters for your own husband, for everyone's for your own happiness that you need to attend to domestic matters? And she's like, I don't understand the question. She's right. like, failed attempts. She's like, how did I fail except to just be continuing? She's like, I just kept, I continue. He's like, so you're not sorry? She's like, I, what? Yeah. So he's continually, whenever she's hospitalized, you have letters that he has written to these doctors saying, here's what I think's happening. Here, Oh, here's another thing I remembered. Here's this, here's this, here's this. And she's like, oh, shit. Right. Because the doctors then tell her, so they're like, let me see, write a journal, let me see your journal. So ultimately, she kind of writes, oh, I now recognize I've made a mistake, I know. so she can get out. Sure. Well, that's the, that's the number one goal, I would think. Yeah. So you think she's crazy? No. She's like, I need to get, again, she was, she did lose her mind. She right. was exhausted. She was, did have these. Um, so basically, the next five years, she's either live, she's living with Scott and Scotty, but mostly in sanitariums in the United States. Some of them were horrific, like not because he couldn't afford. She's not necessarily like locked in a room, but she right. did have these treatments that weren't pretty awful. Well, and again, you you start getting crazy being with crazy people. Yeah. And why am I here? And she's like, uh, like, again, she's, how is this different from me sitting in a, an apartment in Paris when I can't dance or paint or write? Like, I'm I'm, lo I'm locked in this. What do you think made him take that step? Like, what what was, like, the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back? So I think he was just a raging alcoholic. Okay. And I think her, what she was doing, what she was writing was very good. Okay. And, and was so it was vindictive. And she was like, and she's not drinking the way she's different. You know what I mean? So okay, we used to so, party. We used to yeah. hang out. We used yep, to yep, drink yep, together. Yep. Now it's like, she's very healthy. She's like the colitis, so all the stuff. He's so afraid. Like she's kind of judging him or looking yes. down on him. And he's so self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. Like I would say a narcissist, mm -hmm. right? <gasps> that's that. Oh, that's it. That yeah, That like is it. He, that sums him up be, so well. Beyond... Yeah. So right. it's all it's about not him. A, none of it's about her. No. It's all about him. And if you're not worshiping him, and if you're not providing things for him, and if you're not amused for him, that but he doesn't again, want to be part like of that. You, she never could measure up. I mean, he's crawling across the floor in these bars and laying his head right. on other women's lap. So, like, it's the rules keep changing. Mm -hmm. She's, like, tap dancing mm -hmm. and trying to keep his attention. So what happens? She goes crazy. Right. right. She goes crazy. And he's telling everyone, oh, she's crazy. Oh, poor, you know, Zelda, she's crazy. She's crazy. What do their friends think? Like, what? Okay, so, but this, I have to tell you, this okay. is great. Okay. So he's been working on this book for like six years, trying to write this novel for six years. He can't write it because he's this, drinking all the time. Is this the, the, the mm, LA one? The... No, I okay. that was this, that was a movie script that ended okay. up not working out. Okay. Um, they didn't, he didn't get that gig. So she starts to, She's in another like mental institution, okay. and she starts to write this kind of autobiographical novel called Save Me the Waltz. She wrote it in six weeks. 
Well, there's not a lot She's, to do. She sends it to his publisher. And the guy's like, this is amazing. I want to publish it. So she's like, and the doctor's like, wait, you wrote a novel in six weeks. Scott's been trying to write one for six years, okay, right? But why does she send it to his publisher? That takes some balls. Uh, yes. She's like, she had two copies. She had one for the publisher and she gave one to Scott. And he took it and he threw it. And he's like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Why are you? And she's like, what? And he's like, she's like, what's the, what's the problem? So he takes it and he goes, I'll edit it for you. Okay. Okay. Does he not want her airing the dirty laundry that he's kind of created? No. So he's mad because he goes, this is what I was writing in my book. <gasps> Got it. And she's like, this hmm. is tender as the night. And she's like, you've been writing that book for six years. Like right. I did it in six weeks. So he's pissed okay. that Got she it. just did this. Right. So he goes through it. He pulled, he goes, I was using that. I was saying this. She's like, that was from my diary. He's like, but I'm using that in my book. You can't have it. And pulling stuff out and pulling stuff out. So he edits the shit out of it. Sure. So it's not very, it's incoherent. It's choppy. And then he's like, we're not going to advertise it. He tells her doctors, don't let her write anymore. Don't, we're not going to, don't talk about this book. This is too much for her. This is too upsetting for her. Where she's like, that's the only thing that got, she's like, I felt amazing. She had like horrible, like an eczema thing breakout, like horrifically painful. The minute she started writing, it was gone. He spends so much energy on this. It's like startling. Mm -hmm. Like, hmm. Mm -hmm. Just gives you pause. Like, that, just focus yeah, that's on your what I'm writing. Saying. Researching this was so interesting to me because, again, all we hear about him is like how amazing he was. And she's this crazy wife and poor F. Scott Fitzgerald, and he had to put up with this shit. And it's like, no, I, that's not that's not what's happening. So he again makes her take out all these passages. They publish it, and she basically they say at that time, like when he's doing this, she's like she keeps emphasizing the fact that she's done with him. She's like, I don't want to be with him anymore. He's taken all my stuff. He's taken all my writing. But a lot of like later on at the time, it didn't get great reviews. But people later on said, you know what? This is really good to read because it's the only published novel of this woman who's only remembered for her defeats. And so it's worth it's worth reading. So it's called Save Me the Waltz. OK. Now, is it her original? Yeah. OK, so well, without it's, no, it's not the original. It's what he edited. Oh, mm -hmm. I'd love to see what his publisher. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, but even still, it's like it's still just like she's still kind of falling into line with mm -hmm. why didn't she send it to a different publisher? You know, like it. But again, I know the time like it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to wrap my the mind fact around that, that. She even wrote something. The fact that she even oh. wrote something and then said, I'm making two copies. I'm going to send it to us. That to me is is what's the word? Um well, it's very brave. I think the fact that she chose his publisher is like, kind here's of a, what I can do. Right. Just a, kind of a slap in the face yeah. to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the first, what do they call it? Like kind of a throwdown. Right. Right. Yeah. So again, he basically talked about the fact that he depended on her, but he would systematically erase her contributions and undermine anything that she did. And this is, oh God. So... He's writing to her doctors saying, you know, as to her writing, there's no longer any competition element involved. There was a time when she was romping in on what I considered my material, disguising her character under such subtle names as F. Scott Fitzpatrick. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I thought she was tearing at the very roots of my profession. In other words, our existence. 
So he uses that too. Like if you are competing with me, you're competing with my ability to pay for you to be in, in that hospital. You're competing with my ability to pay our bills, which again, he's messing with her head. I just don't understand why any doctor is reading these letters. Like, who, like, Kathy, do you think these doctors are any different? They're male chauvinists, right? They're all like, all these women are crazy. I know, but these I'm just thinking hysterical. like, I'm, th- I'm going to their ego and thinking mm-hmm. like, what does this Jamoke know? She mentions one doctor, one female doctor who was like encouraging and like, you're amazing. And you're, you know, re- every other male doctor was like, no, you need to listen to your husband. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm just shocked by their lack of ego that they're going to listen, like get input from, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I would think they would be like, I know what's wrong with her because I'm the doc. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. just a little surprised by that. But I think no one really was yeah. very well versed in mental illness at that point. And at the same time, too, while he's bitching about like she's this competition, he's like, in P.S., she can't make a living. So he's, it's, she's like just torn. She can't she, win. She, yeah. She can't win. Yeah. She can't make a living but because she shouldn't. But So there's another great session, great in air quotes. They sit down with her, with her doctor, and there's a transcript of this meeting. Oh. And he refers to her as a third-rate writer, a useless society woman, and she goes, I want a divorce. Wait, the doctor refers to her? No. Oh. Scott. Scott. Okay. This is a transcript. He and Zelda are sitting with this doctor, and he says, she's a third-rate writer. She's like, right, but yet you're putting your name on my stuff. Okay. So he has a plan that he's written down if she tries to continue to write, and he has this written down. So if she tries to write, he's going to attack her on all grounds. Okay. If she tries to play, he's going to suppress that her urge to play. If she tries to write a novel, he's going to try to delay it. If she tries to paint pictures, he's going to suppress that. He's got all, again, so this if she tries to have a schedule of, like, doing these things, right. he's going to try to disorient her and cause trouble. He's not going to allow her to type. And the probable result, he writes, is a new breakdown. Well, if he spent this much energy on his writing, he would have written about 10 more novels. But this, so you're thinking... Oh, he does. He knows what he's doing. Right. If he's talking, it's if devious at this point. New breakdown. You're an ass that you're trying to get your wife to the point where she loses her mind. Right? Hey, you know what? If, if you hate her this much, just divorce just her. Divorce. Let her. Yeah. Wow. This is not good. <laughs> That's the title. This episode is called Not Good. So after that initial breakdown, 1930. Her doctors don't let her dance anymore, so she's painting and writing. So, she, again, she's in and out of mental hospitals, so she would write things. She started a second novel, um, wrote short stories, some articles. She's painting really kind of like colorful, whimsical sort of stuff. I don't really have it color paintings, but you can just kind of see from that, just kind of get a sense of some of her drawings. Sure. Oh, and, again, yeah. so she's not formally trained. She did have, like, some basic stuff, like, you know, when you go to those those Southern girl classes where you sure. sketch for a day or whatever. So you can kind of get a sense of what different things she'd do. But she would do, like, um, Scotty and Scott, and she would do, like, New York scenes and things like that. It's just troubling. <gasps> so she Very does. troubling. She has a gallery exhibit that she decides, and it's called Sometimes Madness is Wisdom. Love. Do you love that? That's great. I want that on my gravestone. Right. <laughs> Sometimes madness is wisdom. 
I think that's the title. We'll make that the title. That, I that's love that. a beautiful because sentiment. Because, again, it's this understanding of herself. She has so much understanding about herself and what's happening. And the fact that she kind of is in these insane asylums and that she's just like, it, it isn't that she doesn't have this understanding. It's that she does. That right. She's like, I'm being gaslighted. I'm being screwed, you know, where he's like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's normal. You're crazy. Like you were saying, like, who are these people who are attracted to these crazy people? What is what is he doing? She knows this. Right. Right. That I mean, think of the hurt she's feeling at this point. Going back to that Mm -hmm. that love affair of that Mm -hmm. 18 year old and 22 year old. Like what gets someone to that point Mm -hmm. that they. How do you hate me so much exactly. that you would do this to me? And she's in all this time, she's not seeing her daughter. She's not spending time with her daughter. She's separated from her. That's painful. And there's a lot in there about that, that she just misses her. She aches. She's like, I just ache to just hold my daughter and just see her. I mean, you know, when you're away from your kids. Yep. He's just mean spirited. <sighs> like I, it's. It's beyond. And so she goes, so she's kind of in the, she's in this institution, but she, he let, they let her out to go to this exhibit and he's like, oh, can I please bring her? And as you're reading the letter he's writing, you almost feel like he knows no one's coming to this exhibit. Mm. He wants her to see it. Okay. Yeah. And it's sort of this, oh, honey, I'll take, oh yeah, let's go to your exhibit and right. sit here and no one's going to come in. So, like, I can witness I'm, the, I'm your... this lovely husband. Yeah. I'm this wonderful. And then he says, oh, I'm going to bring her back again. Here's something. She's not great at painting. No. She does it. She's not great at it. But he wants her to see that she's not great at it. And I totally got that sense from him bringing her twice to this so she could just kind of sit there. Well, she's probably grateful to get out of the asylum. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dude, you've seen my paint by numbers. We did it together. <laughs> I... I display that proudly in my bedroom. I'm t- I'm terrible. That's not my thing. No, I'm horrible. That a blank canvas to me gives terrifying me hives. Yeah, yeah, hives. And I'm always pissed when there's like a ringer in the classroom. Uh, like, oh, those a holes. Yeah. Well, We're I like, think it was no, you and the Mary. teacher said put this branch here, and then you did. You know, you made like a Chinese temple. Yeah. It's like what? Yeah, no, I, I don't. But so I. Again, it's a brave – you're putting your work out there, whether you're a novelist or a painter. Like, it's like – it's it's such a um, – You're making yourself super vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. And then for him to, like, kind of capitalize on that. And pretend that he's this loving husband who's supporting his wife when we know that that's not what's happening. But who's seeing who's seeing him? Are any of their friends seeing this? Yeah, so she's okay. got she's got a group of friends, and the, you you see correspondence with her friends okay. and people, and they're telling they're telling okay. her stuff. That too. just make, like, that makes me happy. They're like, cause... we heard this happen. We heard that she's like, yeah. So there is a correspondence. So okay. She's very close to their sisters, um, so they're they are back and forth about this. And you know, there is one one point that one around this time when her um, her brother commits suicide, and he just Scott just comes to her like. And she's panicked, right? Because she's been in and out of these institutions. Mm-hmm. This, that's not you. That's not you. You, right. you don't have the same issues that he has. And she's like, but I think I, he's like, you don't, you don't. And it was like, you see the old him. You see yeah. him coming right. to her like, nope, nope, that's not you. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen to you. So there's a glimmer. There's a glimmer. And there's, you know, when it's not, I think, you know, when so, when it's, you're so wrapped up in yourself and what's happening with him, the minute that it was like he saw she really was panicked and desperate, 
he was like, no, 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 you're okay. You're okay. It's going to be okay. And that was kind of a cool where you're like, why are they still together? Mm-hmm. And so they had moments right, like that. Right. They talk about, the, again, these love letters that I mentioned that her granddaughter had published. She writes this really beautiful intro. But he's like, um, we haven't been happy just once. We've been happy a thousand times. And forget the past and turn about and swim back home to me. Oh, my gosh. I know I got chills. Just yeah. Thinking, swim back home to me. That's beautiful. Right. Again, but he wants that woman. He wants that innocent girl who's so starry eyed and looking just at him. And that's not who she is anymore. Right. Well, that it's it's a maturity level in a relationship. Like you have that honeymoon phase. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why they call it that. And then it's then it's real. Mm hmm. And that honeymoon phase is a but beautiful period like, because it's short and it's... It's not necessarily that honeymoon phase as it is, I was so young, I'm going to change. Right. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hopefully learn things and change and become a, a different person. And I hope that you should be open to that, mm-hmm. to that happening, to me becoming a better person, to me becoming uh, more than what I was. And that's, he just kind of wanted her frozen for who she was. So she says to him, uh, I have loved you with whatever I had to love you with. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <That's laughs> so, like okay. So breaking. 1937, he's basically out of money. And so he goes back to Hollywood again. He's dating this, another woman. And again, he's dating all these women constantly. We know it's, it's everyone knows. So he that said, doesn't trouble me so much. Is that terrible? I'm not, su- I'm not surprised mean? like that he's dating other people. Like I, that doesn't like, I wouldn't care, but he's treating her so horribly yes. like that. Like that's just like, I mean, or if you have an understanding, if you both are like, hey, you're going to do your thing. Don't, you know, just right. leave me alone. But the fact that she's kind of locked away. Yeah. Right. It's like the mad woman in the attic. Right. What was that one book? Um, oh, Jane Eyre. Yes. OK. Yes, yes. So White Sargasso Sea by is it Jean Rees who wrote White Sargasso Sea? It's about how the mad woman how his wife, mm-hmm. Mr. What's his name? Rochester? Oh, gosh. I'm blanking. Okay. So in Jane Eyre, I think it's Mr. Rochester, he ends up having his locked his wife sure. in the attic. Yep. yep, yep. And so Wide Sargasso Sea is sort of a modernist interpretation of how she got to be in the attic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it's such a great story. Kind of like Wicked, where we get to the bottom yes, of Yes. How... I love those stories where it's like, who? when you hear a story, mm-hmm. who am I not hearing from? Whose voice am I Absolutely. not hearing? Yep. So Wide Sargasso Sea is about how she became that woman in the attic and what happened to her. And so I kind of feel like that's what I loved about Zelda's story was how did she become crazy? Right. How did that how did and all that happen? She's so bright and she's yeah. still going. She's still moving. Yes. She's still being and Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And he's kind of dwindling. Absolutely. He's not writing anything. He's not. He's he's really, really not doing very well. It's not like you wish him unwell, but you're like the energy you've taken to try to destroy this woman. Well, also, and he's I mean, he's constantly saying how what a burden she is to him and that she's crazy and that how she's destroyed him and ruined him. Constantly saying that it's like you ruined yourself. You drank yourself. She stopped drinking years ago. She, you know, she de- definitely went back to it, but right, not the way she did before. So because well, there's a time and a place for all that. It's like, I mean, can you imagine if you drank as much right now as you did in college? <laughs> well, I mean, besides this podcast, besides tonight. <laughs> but I mean, really, like everyone's got to like, yeah, grow up. I mean, you can still have fun. Don't get me wrong; it's a different kind of fun. No, but I know what you mean. That's yeah, right. That's the lesson. She grew up. He didn't. 
she grew up and he didn't. So the last time that they're together, it's sort of this ill-fated trip. So her group, she's in this sanitarium mental hospital ever in Asheville. And the group was supposed to take a trip. I'm like, this is a great sanitarium. They're going to Cuba. I'm like, that's a field trip. Wow. So she missed it. So he's like, oh, let's go. So they go to Cuba. He gets in this huge fight. He drinks himself almost to death. They come back. He ends up in the hospital. It's the last time they see each other. They never saw each other again. Oh, my goodness. So he had started. So, again, he's still in Hollywood. He's writing scripts, short stories, trying to. And he started this work on this novel, The Last Tycoon. Oh, I've heard of it. Uh Uh-huh. So he suffers a heart attack and he dies 1940. He's 44 years old. Well, they've lived a full life. 44. Yeah. I mean, that's just a few years older than we are. Right. I'm only confident of 29. Um, but at this point, he didn't really, his celebrity and like the, the this great American writer di- really didn't come till later. Like the great Gatsby did not become popular till later. That came posthumously. That came after his death, for sure. The granddaughter actually wrote, she said that they stayed in love until the day they died. And I, I do believe that they were in love it just you know it's a fool's paradise but well it's um you can love someone i don't know that that Mm -hmm. she might have been in love with him but she did i definitely think there's a tenderness there and a love like Mm -hmm. um because when you do meet someone at that young age Mm -hmm. i think there's just a connection there Mm -hmm. there like i think she always looked up to him yeah probably yeah based on her behavior and everything they've been together no one else is going to understand that she could have ran home very easily Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe to her, maybe not to her mother. Mother mm-hmm. sounded like just put up and shut up. Yeah. But like maybe to her, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she had options, mm-hmm. but I think there was definitely a love there yeah. and probably to her fault, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think too, you know, the few times she mentioned divorce, he threatened, you'll never see your daughter again. Right. But That's... yet she ends up in these mental right. institutions where she's separated from her daughter. And it was like, well, what's worth, you know? Mm-hmm. So again, this idea that, um, it's an impractical love, which I like that description oh, of that. that is an impractical good. love. So it's part of this whole Fitzgerald lore. And basically, it's always notable for the fact, which is what you always hear, is that Zelda was crazy. And so arguably, calling women crazy is most commonly used strategy for stereotyping and devaluing them. Right. And when I'm saying crazy, I'm just using a term. Uh-huh. I don't mean a I don't mean to offend. It's to discount and to devalue, which is what he was doing. And so her um, fragility and ultimately her demise leave out the critical fact that there was no F. Scott Fitzgerald without Zelda. He would not have existed without Zelda because she was such an influence on what he wrote. And he knew that. That's why he Uh like kind of wrapped her up at 18. He knew that. Yeah. 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 He said he said, I can't I can't do this without you. And she was like, really? He, he he was right. He couldn't. But that crazy Zelda has emerged in our popular imagination in as much as Scott's making the, F, the Great Gatsby itself, that it's this legacy, right? So he depended on her silence. He depended on her being crazy and not contradicting that. Some people, like historical analysis, have suggested that maybe because she had all these toxic this alcohol kind of bootleg moonshine, that that affected her psychologically. No, I know. Um, the medical care that the treatments that she bad, got for bad, sure probably agree. treated her probably affected her but um but she still seems to have it together so looking back they think that she was probably depressed well that she probably had like a bipolar disorder untreated so you're treating it as if she's schizophrenic well it and she's like a an abused woman 
correct? Yeah. Like, I mean, mentally. Mentally. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So you constantly get someone telling you you're no good. Uh-huh. You're like, you're, you're a third rate. Like uh-huh. third. Wow. That's, that's mean. That's mean. So it's like you, and, and you don't want to believe it necessarily, but if you hear it enough, it's mm-hmm. hard not to. Well, you're sitting in a doctor's office and your husband's like, you have, you're there, you're, you're in the mental institution. Right. He's not. Right. You're the one who's locked up. So she says, the the biographer that that book that um, Teresa Ann Fowler she says she did suffer some mental health crises, depression primarily. She was an uninhibited, uncensored woman who didn't always think before she acted. But was she crazy, unwise, sometimes insane? No. And again, so many of these articles I read, she they would describe something she did as oh crazy, but w- when he did it, mm-hmm. it was artistic, right. Right. Well, it's it was a double standard. Ooh, it, it was a co- total double standard. I'm like, wait, I'm reading this, and I'm like, these are the these male critics who are seeing. I'm like, what is the difference? What is the difference? If I if I switched it and said Scott did this, you wouldn't have said it was crazy. It's just it's it's so hard to go back historically and kind of understand mm-hmm. how things were between men and women. And how they and and again, there's so much to do, but I think that's really frustrating to mm-hmm. just be like, "What do you mean he was allowed to do uh-huh. that?" Like, and I think too, I you have to realize that when people are explaining her behavior, they're looking at it in terms of what was accepted at that time. Well, and also what they've been told by him. And well, they, yeah, so it's like so much of this right. is from him. Right. The letters, letter after letter, no after one's letter questioning him. No one's questioning him. No. Like, He's the he's got the the voice. Yes. She's silent. Yeah. She because let's face it. Once someone paints you crazy Mm -hmm. by defending yourself like you do yourself no good. Right. You look worse. Yeah. There's no absolutely look worse. So there was again different doctors believe that she was for sure misdiagnosed. They think that maybe she had like a bipolar disorder and that just complicated when she did drink. um, And then she got so intense into the belly that that just kind of made it worse. But again, she's not being treated for that. Mm -hmm. So then she's being, she's got these horrible treatments that aren't helping. So that's making things worse for her. And the cumulative effects of these re-education therapies to try to make her realize what a bad wife she was and how she needed to kind of toe the line. And did anyone ever ask her, like, how she was feeling? Oh, oh, yeah. But I mean, like, it's just so interesting how... She knew. Yeah. She knew that if she didn't answer... Okay. She knew it was bullshit. She right. absolutely right. did. And when you read her letters and when yeah. you read her journals and stuff, she's like, I know what I need to say to get out of here. But at the same time, she's like, I'm exhausted. Right, right. So now, I'm not saying that she didn't need to be in those institutions for help. Because she was depressed, because she was overwhelmed, because she was exhausted. She absolutely did, but not for the reasons they're saying. Because she's dealing with this husband who's gaslighting her and making her feel that she's worthless. She couldn't win. She couldn't, she couldn't win. win. She couldn't win. And then at one point, she said, she's like, why can't I come out? Like, why can't I? She goes, who are you dating? He's like, what? She's like, you're, you're dating someone. That's why you don't want me to come out. It's like convenience now mm-hmm. at this point. I'm going to commit my wife. What was so, why was he so worried about divorce? Well, I don't know. Well, it's like, don't you think divorce would be better than your wife being in an insane asylum? Like, as far as your, like, reputation? Mm-hmm. It's kind of odd. Maybe she knew too much. Maybe he was worried. So maybe by undermining her and by saying, oh, she's crazy, no one's going to believe oh. the shit she's saying. 
the story she's saying, right? That's why you're the smart one. (laughs) 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 And scene. Scene. (laughs) And butagata, butagata, butagata. Okay, so she definitely has some failing health. So she was not able to go to his, well, they didn't let her go to his funeral. They said it's too much. She goes, you know what? I don't want to say goodbye. She's like, I don't really want to do that. It was too much for her. Um, she couldn't attend her daughter's wedding, but after the birth of her grandson, she kind of has this energizing time, and she's back with the family again and hanging out. So she does spend time with her daughter and her grandson, and then she's back. She's in Asheville again for what she calls like stabilization, and so she, this was like. So 19- is she starting to believe the crazy stuff? Well, he's gone now. No, I know, right? but so it's he's like- dead. But I think again. So if she's bipolar, right. she's got these right. bouts of this. Here's my scenario okay. with her. She finds like this artist group in yes. Paris, New York, uh-huh. wherever. That support her. She's just like that woman that doesn't get married. Uh-huh. Let's just let's just yes. go there. And I think she might have bouts where she might stay in an apartment mm-hmm. for a little longer mm-hmm. than might deem normal. Or she goes to Switzerland for six months right. and comes back. Right. Goes to a spa. Mm-hmm. Yes. Perhaps. Now, maybe that's not the case. So that kind of goes back to other things we've talked about in this podcast is do you need, do you need to suffer for your art? Oh. I think... I, I Do you need the angst? Do you need that to create to I create good things? Feel like it just goes with the territory. That's how the brain mm-hmm. like it's like it's such a gift. Yeah. And I don't want to say curse, that seems strong, but it's no, like a, I think you're right. There's a heaviness to mm-hmm. that. Well, I we've in an earlier episode we talked about the fact that like how like, you know, these musicians who like try forever to get an album and their first album is this most amazing. Right, right. Because they spent 25 years creating that. Sure. And then the next album stinks. Right. And you're like, what? It's like, no, because you're not suffering anymore because you're getting picked up in limos because you're not staying at the Motel 6. Whereas you spent 25 years developing Right, you've been writing these from the time you were a teenager, maybe. And then all of a sudden now you're buying songs from Sia or from Songwriter because you don't have anything happening that you can write about at this point. And I think, too, again, maybe you get one album. Mm-hmm. And maybe shouldn't that be enough? Mm-hmm. Part of me feels like if you're able to support yourself and you're able to like get a paycheck from what you're doing, right? What's do you need that? Is it external? Yeah. Like, is it the external influences, mm-hmm. like people giving you the strokes and right. stuff? Like, I I kind of think that's part of it mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. It's the well, it's everybody's ego. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone has an ego. For example, the author. Um, to kill a mockingbird, mm-hmm. right? One story done, but also didn't she help Truman Capote? Okay, so right now you're showing the fact that you didn't listen oh, geez. to my episode about Truman Capote. <laughs> so let's talk about that, Kathy Conjar. Uh, so Shoot. season oh, boy. two. Oh, boy. Uh, so you got a little bit of homework. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to pour some more wine. Okay. It's all about Truman Capote. All right. Well, Harper Lee. Harper Lee, thank you. She couldn't write again. Right. But shouldn't she, should she not just rest on her laurels and be like, again, another one? I sound like and, a broken but record. A, but. Yeah, it's not necessarily whether she should. It's that her goal in life was to be a writer. So when if you want to be a writer, I would assume you would do that your whole life, right? Not just one book and be done. Like if you want to be a writer, you're going to write. Right. But what I'm saying is, do you want to be a writer? Or do you want to be a successful writer mm-hmm. your whole life? So you have this great novel, and then you continue to write. Nothing ever comes close to that again. Mm-hmm. But she didn't continue to write. 
Oh, well, she's a bad example. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm saying for most people, I think the compulsion is to meet that Uh mark. Yeah. Continually. This is who I blame. I blame these stupid managers. And let's go back to like like uh, all these movies like Elton John, Bohemian Rhapsody, oh Elton John, Star is so Born, dark. right? Like all these stupid managers. I'm blaming them for creating this. What was the, the Katy Perry, even the Katy, Katy Perry I li- thing? I like right? laughed. I cried. It became is, a part of me. I was, why it was better pe- than cats. Why are these people making her do a tour where she's got to do Do you remember when she was on like stair climber, like between like songs yes. or something? Do you remember when she was like sobbing hysterically before getting on stage? It's like, who gives a shit if Katy Perry performs 20 shows in a row? Right. No one except these managers and these these people who are like want to make and, money off and of wasn't her. And wasn't her sister with her too? Like, so I kind of, I'm like, I feel like, I am know. I making that remember up? Remember she okay. divorced Russell Brand. It was like. But why is someone putting so much stock in one person? Again, that goes back. I'm kind of grateful of the type of person I am because mm-hmm. I don't trust people. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, like, I'm not going to listen to you because right. I don't think you're any better than any other mm-hmm. bloke. Yeah. I think is an So artist. what would you have said to F. Scott? You'd been like, shove it. Well, we would, we, he would have never been interested in me for <laughs> one. Number one. Yeah. Cram it, clowny. Cram it, clowny. Um, um, okay. So I have to get to the really sad part. You okay. ready? Okay. okay. Take a minute. Deep breath. So she's 1948. She's in this hospital in Asheville. They, Asheville. She's Asheville. only 48, right? Yes. Yeah, she, yeah. She's 48. Still Eight. older than us. Way <laughs> older. They there was March tenth. They had a, a dance. She had been out that night, and she comes home. They give her a sleeping pill, and there was a fire. Oh no! And so um, she had taken her sedative, and she was trapped inside, and she died in this fire. You know what? As much as I know, and I don't know a lot, I've never heard that ever before. Do you feel like that was not common knowledge? No, I've heard that, but okay. I there's I've heard different stories. I've heard that she was strapped down to have like a shock treatment, and then she was locked in this room, and they left. And I've heard that that's not nece- that's more dramatic. Okay, that she they just you know you come home, you take a sedative, you go to sleep, and she was just knocked out, and she just didn't wake up. So was this in in one of those institutions? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so that was 1948. So she died, and actually, like even like today, if you take a tour of Asheville, they like go through, and they, that's like one of their stops. It's like, oh, here's where. How many did did you get a thing on how many other people perished? Nine people total oh. died. Yeah, nine women. So she was buried with Scott, and then um, initially they wouldn't bury him in a Catholic cemetery with his family because he was not a good Catholic, okay. so to speak. He was not really a practicing Catholic. Okay. So, but eventually their daughter, Scotty, prevails and gets them moved to the family plot. And so she has marked on their gravestone the last line of the Great Gatsby. Do you remember that? I want you to recite it for me. Oh, boy. I have no <laughs> I know, I idea. Know. All I'm thinking is like green light. Well, I, I know. Guess, I'm totally. I'm thinking of like um, Robert Redford. Right. Remember he played Gatsby? Oh, he was so good. That movie kind of freaked me out. It was that weird kind of 70s yeah. sort of. Uh-huh. Who was it? Oh, and the people were too Daisy? real. It was, uh, what's her face? Mir- Mia Mir- Farrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So on their gravestone, it says, so we beat on boats against the current, born back ceaselessly into the past. Sounds about right. Sounds about right, right? So a couple things I want to make, like modern references to her. So that Legend of Zelda, the video game, that's named after her. 
Did you know that? No. Yes. And I know nothing okay, about video Okay, so that's games. like this video game that was designed. So the designer of that game, he said she was this beautiful and famous woman. Did and I, he know any I, of yeah. her? Okay. Yeah, he's like, I like the sound of her name. I liked who she was. And so he named the game after her. Do you know the Eagle song, Witchy Woman? <gasps> Is name is inspired by Zelda. Never liked that song. It freaked me <laughs> out. John Henley wrote that after he read a biography of her, and he was inspired by that because he thought she had this restless spirit. And I could see bewitching, but witchy. yes, witchy woman. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, but yes. Yeah, so that's thought, very I didn't dated, know that. though, isn't it? Yeah, that expression. So ultimately, the great tragedy of Zelda's life was that she was defined by her husband as a muse, a role that left little room for her own creative expressions, and then she was defined as just a crazy wife. Mm. I don't know. I feel like she might have had the last laugh, you know? I hope so. Yeah. But again, as I'm researching, it was, it again, there's Team Scott, there's Team Zelda. Right, right. Well, again, you could read, it's just like anything. Mm-hmm. You, and I think, too, not to get political, but we all have our beliefs mm-hmm. about anything, and mm-hmm. it's really tricky to change that. So what even if like, you see something that's opposing, you're not going to read it. You're not going to right. We can all hear the same thing, but you're the window through which you see the world. Yep. So whatever's happened to you is going to influence what you see. And I like to think that I'm open, but I think you know what I mean. Like I think there's certain things that you just have a you're like very passionate mm-hmm. about you, how you feel about mm-hmm. something. Yeah. So what do you think? Was oh that okay? Oh, my God. That was so much fun. Was it? Yeah. You better say that. <laughs> I'll punch you. I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> I, I hope it wasn't as, I wasn't as dumb as I sounded, but we'll soon see. We'll fix that in post, yeah, right? Yeah, so that's when I take out and, like, put other people's voices. <laughs> when I bring out the ventriloquist dummy. <gasps> bring in the smart people. <laughs> yes. I'll edit. So take that, F. Scott. <laughs> Cram. Cram it. Take that, jerky. Yeah. Hemingway's ghost is like lurking. Oh, boy. <laughs> we'll bring out the Ouija board. We'll he take care of it. He keeps coming up in like all these episodes. I'm like, he's going to like come after me. Yeah. You guys must have a past in a different well, life. Well, I feel like I keep bumping. Well, everywhere I go, like I'm bumping into him. So it's just in like Key West. And I, you know, it's okay. like stupid six-toed cats. And I'm like, whatever. Huh. Um, yeah. But like I said, I'm not... Huge fan of his, but I love this jazz age. I love yep. these characters. I love this. And again, my whole point of this podcast is I love a good story. Sure. So whatever it is, whoever it is, I love a good story. And this story is very dramatic. Not to <gasps> oh. steal from your. You know what, Kath? It took the it's words out of your mouth. So dramatic. All right. Awesome. Thank you for doing this. Oh, with me. this was a treat. Thanks for having was me. Was it fun? Okay, you got to come back sometime. We'll do something else. Ne- the next time we'll do Hemingway. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I'm busy. Shoot. We'll do his wives, all the 12,000 wives he had. That's another thing, too, with Hemingway is they're like Marielle Hemingway. Did you ever see her documentary? No. Okay. All right. We'll oh, talk. Sister, we got to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> the family was screwed up. Okay. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes and Spotify. And if you want to find links to all the things that we talk about in our um, in this podcast tonight, you can go to our website, www.thesodramaticpodcast.com. And remember that it's okay to be so dramatic.